0: In this episode, Connor and I talk about monetization in sports, how that has evolved over time, and the effects that it has on all levels of sporting organizations, teams, and athletes. Welcome to the Into the Unknown podcast, the show that dives into all things fitness, politics, mindset, current affairs, sports, and everything in between.
1: With a generous sprinkling of humor... At least on my part, and pop culture. I'm Connor Campbell.
0: And I'm Yushan Soo.
1: So, without further ado, plug in, sit back, and enjoy being taken into the unknown.
0: Welcome back, guys. Another episode, another week, another day of uh, speaking with my mate, Connor. How's it going? It's going well, sir.
1: Uh I'm still reeling off the episode that we put out last week with
0: oh man with, with Katie week.
1: um well, not last week but a couple of weeks back now uh we yeah. recently just had on another guest which you guys will hopefully have already listened to um and so <laughs> I'm. I'm very you're getting
0: confused about when everything is being released
1: I am yeah <laughs> I am but it is because last year we would literally record one on Thursday night and put it out yeah. Friday
0: put it <laughs> out there whereas Here you go guys this year whereas we this year we're actually yeah, organized
1: we are we are a lot more organized this year um and so yeah I guess um that brings us to the next episode i mean we've recorded so many this point i'm pretty sure we're on episode 41 i could be wrong but But who's counting counting? counting? who cares you know who cares about the number (laughs) it's about the quality and not the quantity it's about 100 how you use it not the size Anyway, Um, and on that note, (laughs) thank you for listening, everyone. (laughs) And on that note, we're going to be talking about how (laughs) we're going to be talking about whether (laughs) it's important to make lots of money in sport
0: (laughs) or where that money goes. (laughs) Before we get into that, and obviously uh, there's a lot to get into in terms of money and sport and monetization of certain aspects of sport. I just wanted to ask, um, do you know what Gaelic football is? Yes, I do. Isn't it such a mad
1: sport? Oh, it's crazy. You know Paddy from Kings uh, plays Gaelic football? Does he? Yeah, it's actually insane. I I watched uh, a couple of his highlights and he showed me some stuff on YouTube. I was like, what the heck is this? I was so confused. It's like a cross between... Basketball, football, rugby, Basketball, football. like literally everything. Yeah, it's cr- it's crazy. But the athletes are men, like they're insane. They're so athletic. <laughs> Not insane in like their but, mind. I mean insane as in like athletic, like insanely athletic.
0: I'm starting getting real into it, obviously, because I, if you guys don't know, if you guys haven't been oh, listening to the podcast, I've moved to Ireland. <laughs> But what? it's everywhere, man. Um, I mean it's a bit of a political thing. Like people in the north don't really watch the GAA, I don't think. But for some reason my TV is linked to um the South. So I get the Southern channels, like I get the Republic of Ireland channels. Um, so there's so much about the GAA yeah. Gaelic football. And because they just recently had their championship finals. And okay basically the team that won it transpired that i think it was the last couple of minutes or even the like the last play they had too many players on the pitch because they were meant to sub one in but the guy didn't leave what so it's just been a bit of a big deal like it made no difference in terms of the result because it was the like result, a penalty yeah. or something Oh yeah. But but now I don't, I don't know what the I think it's still ongoing what the consequences are. Um whether yeah. whether there's going to be a rematch or not but anyway, yeah, though I'd bring up some Gaelic football for <laughs> no reason whatsoever.
1: Um, um Yeah, I've never actually watched a full game and I've never watched the game in person, but I've heard that the it's absolutely no. crazy like the environment is uh Rowdy,
0: rambunctious. Ah, oh, it must be. I mean, <laughs> someone's been reading the thesaurus. The, 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 the <laughs>
1: anyway, let's get serious but, for a moment.
0: Okay, 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 okay. I feel like Gaelic football and the GAA, <laughs> as rowdy as the crowds can get, yep. don't generate the same amount of money as a sport as. Other forms of football, such as football, (laughs) absolutely. Or you know that you're American, soccer, soccer. And we covered Uh, this in a in a previous episode, haven't we? A little bit about sort of the the stuff surrounding FIFA, and you know the amount of money that they make as an organization, and some of the consequences that are a, a result, almost a direct result of that amount of money you know things like all the politics involved the corruption the scandals and things like that but at the end of the day it is a very high earning sport you know, probably like the highest earning sport um and it's a great example of how clubs uh and you know you go up the ladder the players earn a lot of money the clubs earn a lot of money and then the organizations own a lot of money as well yeah so it's just in general such a financially rich environment yeah and you compare that to other sports that perhaps don't have the same the same kind of the same kind of atmosphere the same kind of backing the same kind of money um you know we've had people on the podcast you know um talking about women's rugby and how there's just not the same level of financial backing or funding that can elevate it to the same level as as football and you know that trickles down to all aspects like the broadcasting you know like the ticketing like the advertising how big can we make the sport like obviously money plays such a big role in in the way that a sport is 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 like shown to the public, right? Like that's why football is probably one of the most popular sports in the world.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. Sorry. I was just sat there listening to you. (laughs) Yeah. I think football is probably one of the most watched sports and played sports in the, in the entire world. I think it's also interestingly, one of the most accessible sports Like the fact that you could just pick up a football, grab a couple of friends and play anywhere on any surface in any country. Um. Whereas like, for example, cricket, you need wood, you need a ball. or you know, you don't exactly need a cricket ball, but you need some kind of ball. You need fielders, you need a batter, you need wickets, rugby, you need a ball. You also need to have contact. So, probably gum shields and so on and so forth same as american football same as like pretty much every other sport whereas football is like you literally just need jumpers for goalposts everyone has clothes uh, or shoes or whatever they can just chuck down on the floor to make uh goalposts and and a literally a ball i i once saw a video of uh some kids playing football in a favela in brazil which obviously consequently is one of the like best footballing nations yeah. in history um and they were literally playing with cuz you know how the football used to be just a pig skin that was inflated i don't know what it is now yeah
0: yeah
1: and they were literally playing football with like a a, a pig like an inflated pig skin <laughs> and they just were just kicking a football around the favela like just playing football and they were probably better than most people with <laughs> like all of this kit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with you. I think, especially since coming over to the US, i S I've noticed that, that sport and that kind of environment or industry in general, there's definitely been a big shift in, teams and sports trying to generate more revenue through alternate streams rather than like your traditional route of say selling match tickets yeah. because um, traditionally a lot of sports would have just made money just off selling tickets to for fans to come and watch the game i think that's yeah. probably one of the oldest ways for sports to make revenue um and people still do it now like uh, you know, you go watch a football game, and I know some teams have introduced like this whole membership thing where you have to have a membership to buy tickets. Which I understand that it does help limit the amount of tickets that they sell, but again, I personally don't agree with that. I think that's like an almost like an elitist thing where it's like, well, hold on a sec. What happens if someone just wants to go watch a game? Like, why do they have to pay for a membership for the privilege to do that? It mm. doesn't make sense. In at least in my mind, that doesn't make sense. Um, I only know a couple teams that have done that. Like I my nan is a massive um Arsenal fan. I'm not sure why, because they're shit. Um, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of Arsenal <laughs>
1: fans listening to this as well. Uh I'm just joking. I, I don't care about football, but uh I thought I'd defend a few people <laughs> on the way because what's the point doing a podcast if you don't try and get cancelled every week? Um and we anyway, a pretty
0: damn good job.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah. So I, I I tried to get tickets for my nan to go watch Arsenal, and uh, you had to get like a membership. I can't remember what it was called. It was like a red membership or something like that. And I was like, why yeah. is it so damn difficult for me to just buy two tickets to take my nan to go watch Arsenal? She's not been to watch Arsenal for like ten years because of this whole membership mm. thing. Because she doesn't want to pay a membership to go and watch them every single game every year you know yeah. she might want to go watch yeah. one game i am going a little bit off topic talking about manan but um <laughs> essentially the relevance is you know you we wanted to as you mentioned previously discuss about monetization what it means in sport uh and really for us to discuss whether that potentially is a good or a bad thing um you know we we want to try and like weigh up both the sides because <clears throat> there have there has been some fantastic things that have come out of you know monetization for sports uh but there's also a lot of things that almost left us wondering well hold on a sec if they're earning this much why don't players get paid this much in certain sports um so you Xuan, can you do you know do you know what monetization actually means because I actually <laughs> I actually had no idea until um, until actually it was until YouTube started to introduce monetization for uh, or what are they called like youtubers like vloggers and stuff like that so yeah, they yeah, yeah. could start to earn revenue off their
0: uh, digital content. Um, yeah that sounded you, you made it sound a lot like an exam question i was getting real bad flashbacks just now <laughs> do you know <laughs> but no absolutely you know it's basically it's just it's just you know different streams and different ways in which whether it's organizations or teams or individuals you know athletes players how those those bodies can use the sport that they're in to make money and so obviously we've touched on loads of them like like uh, things like um, ticket sales you know buying uh, selling tickets to the to the competitions things like advertising broadcasting all those things and I just wanted to point out like straight off the bat that it's a bit of a like a chicken and egg situation because without without money and without sports being monetized, at least the way that it to the level that it is now, there would be no such thing as the professional athlete. You know, like the fact that athletes can get paid to be athletes, like athletes can get paid to play a sport, play a game, um, whether that whatever sports that may be, like, that is all it all depends on the fact that the actual sport is able to provide that kind of money. So, like from a very base level, like that is necessary if we want the the kind of environment that's in sports that we have now.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I I agree. I think um, it's certainly more. Mm, it's certainly more popular in some sports than it is in others. You know, like we just mentioned, football, American football, uh, NBA, baseball, hockey. And also it does generally depend on where you come from. Like yeah, if you're in the US, generally, if you play certain types of sports, and I'm not even just talking about football, I'm talking about sports across the board, equestrian, swimming, sailing. All of the sports that they might not actually excel at, apart from swimming, they still have a large infrastructure, which I guess is a entirely different argument. Is you know, the country's GDP um, will affect obviously the revenue of those sports and the amount of money that they can give to certain amounts of sports, yeah. but then that again will offer an unfair advantage to those that are able to one be paid to play the sport to have you know the funding to be able to have the best coaches, the best nutrition the best kind of um resources to like recover and to train uh and also just the fact that they don't necessarily have to do the sport just to put food on the table you know like yeah. they're actually making a good living from it uh yeah. they're not just earning like paycheck to paycheck kind of thing you know like a lot yeah. of people do um and for the vast majority of athletes actually it might seem like there's a lot of professional athletes and there are but just because they're professional athletes doesn't necessarily mean that they are being paid to be professional athletes yeah. uh at, at least in the in the general sense of the word being paid and what i mean by that is the organization or the national governing body are actually giving them a stipend they might be yeah. paid through other sources of revenue which is where yeah. i'd argue it is good for example um you know sponsors people might have sponsors to give them money or they might have to put like ads on their shirts and stuff to, for those sponsors to be like, Oh yeah, we'll give you money for the season. If you stick this on our t-shirt. Yeah. Um, you know, and even things like donations, um, like that's those sorts of things and grants, those are kinds of ways that like athletes who potentially aren't supported by the governing body or who aren't supported by, um a salary or the organization whatever you want to call it uh can earn money so it definitely has opened up like you mentioned at the start more streams of revenue for people to be able to earn money um especially through ads i think because you know that's that's how people earn money on youtube is through like monetization is through ads like the ads that you that you see on on youtube is how those YouTubers earn money.
0: How effective do you think those ads are?
1: Um, To the everyday person like you and I, probably not very effective. However, that changed a lot after Facebook now Meta started selling lots of people's data. And yeah. I know that there was a whole controversy around that. And that's not necessarily the topic that we want to go into, but you have to understand that your data has been sold to almost everybody in the world. Like your data is like, everybody knows what you like, whether you like it or not. Everybody knows where you like to travel. Everybody knows where you, where you like to eat. Everyone knows what you want to buy. It's
0: actually actually insane. (laughs) the. The Ads that I see on my Instagram and Facebook, you know, marketing that it has, you know, it, I to the point where the most recent one is like from a brand called True Classic that makes nice fitting t-shirts, you know, for um, athletic bodies. Yeah, and it's just such a niche. Yeah, it's you know, um, it's and the thing is, it, it that's the targeted
1: reason, ads, which is great. Because you're like, oh, shit, this actually could be really useful for me. But then you actually sit back and you're like, wait a sec. How do they know what I like? Like, How do they know what I look like? How do they know what I like?
0: (laughs) Yeah, literally. But the reason I ask about ads and how effective you think they are is because, and it's, it's interesting as well, because we spoke a good couple of episodes ago about things like sports washing and the topic of, Sports washing and using sports as a way to mask or, or kind of, yeah, wash over as it were, um, sort of political issues and, and more sort of controversial topics that are happening in certain places. Um, but on the other side, like sports can be used as a platform for companies and things like that to promote themselves and promote a sort of positive image about them that perhaps they didn't have previously if they gave the organization an insane amount of money for example the olympics being sponsored by mcdonald's (laughs) you know like there's obviously so much kind of negative image and connotations um and a sort of yeah quite a critical perspective towards McDonald's and and the the health implications and and the kind of how bad it can be for you, especially for children. And then boom, like they give the Olympics millions of dollars and all of a sudden they're the title sponsors for the Olympics. And then you're seeing world-class, you know, top-class, top-class athletes either explicitly or implicitly supporting and endorsing McDonald's whether they like it or not because McDonald's is the title sponsor of the Olympics where they're all competing in and you know it's the it's the fucking Olympics and yeah it it's such a it's such a clever way of sort of twisting or or yeah changing that image and that perception through the platform of sports and and that's just that's why advertising has become I think over the last, probably five, 10 years grown so much as a form of income and a form of re- revenue in sports and and sporting bodies. Yeah. And it's also,
1: as I just mentioned, when I butted in, um, it's more targeted, you know, the ads that we see maybe not necessarily on uh, the t-shirts of players or in the grounds, Um like seeing McDonald's is not really a targeted ad right in, in a stadium. But when you go on Instagram and when you go on YouTube, a lot of those ads that you see, even on the sides of web pages, a lot of those ads that you see are targeted to you based on the searches that you make based on the conversations that you have. um, If you obviously allow your phone to listen in. And this is not like a controversy. Like I don't want to get into the whole, data mining thing <laughs> like I, uh, it's but what I'm just trying to make people aware that like the reason why you see those ads is because your your phone is listening to you and your data is being tracked where you click you go on Zara yeah. and you buy a t-shirt or something the next ad you'll likely see on YouTube is probably going to be a Zara ad or something similar yeah. along, along those lines right um but yeah, I, I agree with you. But then on the flip side as well, right, if, if um, McDonald's wasn't a title sponsor at the Olympics, who else would have been a title sponsor? And would that title sponsor have potentially been able to give more money than what McDonald's would have offered? That's the biggest problem is that like these organizations that help fund sport, and I'm not saying that McDonald's is inherently bad for you, Right, you have one McDonald's a week. It's probably not gonna, in the grand scheme of things, make that much difference. I
0: just want to put that. Depends out there. what you get, mate. Like, uh, that's <laughs> very true.
1: Actually, it is very true.
0: But if you eat like me, yeah. McDonald's, man.
1: Yeah, um, three meals. But the biggest problem is, is that it might not necessarily affect us, you and I, directly. Mm-hmm. But what it does do is it will affect the people that see that and are highly influenced by those ads and say, oh, well, if McDonald's is supporting the Olympics, then surely it can't be that bad for me. Why don't I just have that three days a week or or three times a day or whatever it might be? Um, And I don't really know enough into the, the information as to why it was chosen as the title sponsor or who else might be a title sponsor. The only thing Mm. that I can really discuss is like how people choose individual sponsors, right? How do athletes choose their own advertisement to go on, say like, you know, their t-shirts or to Mm. go on, you know, like, like, I don't know if you, if you'd want to get into like your kind of sponsors, you know, the sponsors that you work with, at least in my impression that I get and the opinion is they're actually useful to you. Like they actually, it actually makes sense you have horse yeah. feed that makes a lot of sense because you have a horse they get hungry they train a lot <laughs> they need to eat right you have man needs to eat is it saddle or like a bridle comp- no not bridle is it bridle nailed that name um yes, sir. yeah like a saddle company um you know again that makes sense you have to sit on the horse you don't want to sore ass so you get a nice saddle right those (laughs) things those things just make sense okay they just make sense um and so it's kind of like this internal conflict of like yes you probably might have been approached by other sponsors um and either turn them away because you are a you know um a morally positive human being and you're like actually that doesn't really fit my agenda that doesn't really fit where I'm going with my sport and what I want that to represent and I think that's really like an important discussion point to have is that like I see people all the time on on Instagram now they get sponsored by these companies and I'm like dude you haven't used that product once yeah like why why are you trying to sell it to me like what's wrong like I know, and that's where the term like sellout—that's why, why yeah. the term sellout has come from—is like I get it. People need to make money, but like, like where, like, come on, have some freaking morality. Like, do you not understand how that's going to affect the people that watch you and listen to you and actually, you know, they tr- they look up to you potentially. Yeah. Uh I know and I they trust, a bit they trust
0: your, your perception yeah. and they trust you know what you're recommending. So that is quite a big responsibility, especially if you have, you know, like you say, uh, on social media, you have a big platform and you have people who look at you as a sort of authority figure on these things. And you know, we talk about McDonald's sponsoring the Olympics. There's Budweiser sponsoring the FIFA World Cup, you know? Yeah. And and you know when we talk about how that might affect people involved and affect people who are you know spectators, um, the the fact that a beer company is sponsoring the football World Cup, you know, like you go and you want to watch a game and you're a recovering alcoholic, mm. what's going to happen? And <laughs> I, I know it, it's it's weird as well because in Qatar that at the end they banned beer from being sold in the stadium which is kind of defeats the purpose a little bit but you know the advertising as a form of monetization and as probably one of the biggest or most influential forms of monetization in sports can be dangerous because it has such a direct impact on the the, the perception of not only the sport, but also the perception and the image of the the brands that are being promoted.
1: Yeah. And uh, it even goes as far to say, like, going back to the merchandise that we were talking about, um, you know, com- companies like... Uh, so, for example, if we're talking about the NFL, MLB, NBA, often at times... Those uh, organizations will sell the rights to for like for like their jerseys. So Nike is probably the one of the biggest brands in the world for sports clothing. They're the only licensed manufacturer for the NFL, um, and so they're the only people who are able to legally. Obviously, I know it's done illegally in some places, but legally, they're the only company that are able to produce and manufacture and sell um, sporting goods for the NFL at least for jerseys for soccer or football sorry uh, it might be like Adidas, Puma or Nike something like that and those organizations will sell the individual licenses to make a lot of freaking money Um, Mm. and even goes as far to say back when I used to do crossfit uh which was what was that eight years ago something like that reebok was the title sponsor for the crossfit games yeah yeah and i heard a story that apparently matt fraser who is probably one of the most well-known crossfitters he's certainly the most successful individual crossfitter um he what he had a uh sponsor contract with nike or Nike, if you're American. Um, and <laughs> they they told him that he wasn't allowed to... Oh, Reebok told him at the CrossFit Games, you, you're not allowed to wear any of your Nike stuff because this oh, is wow. sponsored by... It's It was called the Reebok CrossFit Games. Yeah. So the yeah. CrossFit Games, to make revenue off monetization, they essentially went, well, hold on a sec. Why don't we just get a big organization to sponsor it? They can then give us all the clothes. People can see us wearing these clothes. And so they think, wow, those must be the best for CrossFit. And yeah. you're you you are that's a monopolization. Like you're monopolizing, mm. essentially trying to monopolize the market into this one uh consumer. And so anyway, Matt Fraser ignored them and just put black tape over it and still continue to wear the Metcons. And they got really popular. And Reebok really didn't like it. But then they realized that actually if they stop people from doing that. There's going to be people that will end up not going to CrossFit because it's just associated with Reebok. Because people are like, Well, I don't want to wear Reebok because it's crap. Yeah. In their opinion. I'm not saying Reebok's crap. Like, um, but now the problem (laughs) is Reebok's no longer the title sponsor. It's now sponsored by Noble. And they've tried to do a similar thing. Mm. And I'm just kind of like, that just it doesn't make sense. It it does make sense in terms of being able to sponsor like a title sponsor, like McDonald's or Reebok or Noble or Nike, right? Um, making that merchandise solely that consumer. But it, what doesn't make sense is putting a caveat to that and say, okay, we're the title sponsor, but the only thing you can eat in the Olympic games is McDonald's because we're the title sponsor. <laughs> that doesn't, that's you, that's, that's stopping people's free will. You can't do that. That's illegal. Like you yeah, you just can't do that um, <laughs> I know I'm going down a massive rabbit hole right. I don't, I don't
0: know if it's illegal, but <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah do you think do you think it's a good thing that there's so much money in sports?
1: Yes, I do generally. um and I would obviously preface that to say. Yes and no. Uh, but generally, I think yes. I think what it does do, as we mentioned at the start of this episode, is that it does provide people with a means to make a living. Um, and to be honest with you, I think that does far outweigh some of the, the negatives to sport mm. making money. But at some point, there needs to be, uh, okay, you're making this much money where's that money going because you can't just keep paying people more like you can that's fine but at the same time you need to invest that into other places you can't just like an organization can't just earn five billion in a year and then just go right well let's just pay all our players this we still have four billion in the pot so should we just keep it to ourselves or I think like this is where it comes like (laughs) outreach programs or giving back to the community or making things cheaper for fans potentially because they have such large um, you know, such a large safety net they go, okay, well, why don't we introduce an idea of making it slightly cheaper for a certain amount of fans that earn under a certain amount or earn or who are under 25 or something like that, where, you have almost yeah. like these benefit programs. And I think because ultimately the only reason why people will continue to pay and the problem with organizations earning more money is things will get more expensive. And so, you know, I don't really go and watch sport anymore because it's too expensive. Like in my opinion, yeah. I don't want to pay $100 to go and watch two hours of football that's too expensive when i can pay a hundred dollars a year to watch all the games at home why would i do that it doesn't make sense i don't want to do that but what i'd love to do is actually go watch the games in person you know the um like nfl like football games um so i i would say yes generally it does and i know that um you you're gonna have sort of like go down go pick out pick apart some of my conversations but i would leave it with yes i think in general <laughs> uh it does it is a good thing that they earn money yeah
0: no 100 percent, i agree with that and you know at the very beginning we said that without that and without the level of monetization that sports has there wouldn't be The possibility of people being able to be professional athletes and and do their sports professionally and yeah and not just athletes you know staff you know support staff sport personnel people who work for the team it just opens up so many opportunities and jobs for people yeah like myself you know you (laughs) (laughs) well yeah like like you and me right and you look at and people who otherwise wouldn't get those opportunities. You know, you talked a little bit about football in Brazil. Uh, another example is is cricket, you know, the IPL in India. Yeah, Those teams are such uh, profit-making teams in India, you know, with the level of sponsorship and support and funding and financial um, backing that they have from other parties and brands and stuff that, you know, they're able to – it's a little bit like football in Europe. You know, they have academies, they have programs for kids that otherwise wouldn't be able to, you know, play cricket professionally. And it's somewhere like India, you know, it's such a powerful thing that these kids on the streets even are able to join an IPL team and be a professional cricket player and be able to provide for their families. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, but like you say, there has to be a kind of balance, you know, like it it's all well and good, you know, the team's earning money or well and good the organization's earning money. But where does that money go? You know, how, because it's always going to be distributed, but how is it distributed? Um, And I think you're absolutely right. Things like outreach programs and things that sort of make, the playing field more level and more equitable is what we need and what we don't really see enough of i mean you yeah, know look at world rugby and the amount of revenue that they generate through whether well, that's the rugby world cup you know, the the heineken cup all of these things going to an organization i know like there's other organizations involved but world rugby is like the core the 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 main one yeah you know, it's like the fifa of football of rugby yeah. sorry. Um but if if you if you question like whether that revenue is being distributed fairly into the right places, I know a lot of people who would argue that it's not. And the reason for that is because there are still so many nations and teams around the world that are some of them may be developing nations anyway, like as uh you, you know, financially and 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 things like that but a lot of these talented nations in rugby still aren't being given the opportunities that they should you know we talk about a lot of the the pacific islands and the players coming from pacific islands that have found rugby as a means of being able to actually make money and provide for their family um and get out of poverty essentially but they don't have the opportunity to play rugby for their country because mm-hmm. there's no money in that because because that you know Samoa is not getting paid to fly out to england to play england in 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 a, in a test match you know like why would they why would they want to do that then yeah you know like obviously the money would be they would have to go to new zealand to and switch over to play and try to play for the all blacks or they would have to go over to europe um, you yeah, know, to France and play for teams like Stade Français and things. Whereas, what could happen and what could easily be, you know, accessible is with the amount of revenue that World Rugby generates and the amount of income they have, they're able to distribute that and at least some of that to actually giving those nations and those teams opportunities to play at least on the same playing field as the the big teams you know as England New Zealand Australia and and France and things like that and get them the kind of yeah like the publicity they need as well as the opportunities financially you know give them a fair share of the money that's generated from tickets for those games the advertising the broadcasting all of those things and it's not just all going to the teams that are already rich anyway yeah you know so a lot more can still
1: be done absolutely i yeah i completely agree with that i think we're on the same page as well is that it's a good thing but only within the eyes of the people that you know are benefiting <laughs> um, yeah. It is essentially the conclusion that i drew from from what you said a couple of points that I wanted to bring up, which I think will be really interesting. A couple of years ago, uh, I heard a story from a friend who was an NCAA athlete. For those that don't know, uh, I mean, I'm sure most people would, but NCAA is uh, essentially the athletic organization that runs all of the college sports across the US. Previously, they weren't allowed to be paid um, they weren't allowed to be sponsored. I know that sometimes in the US they call them like boosters. Um, I'm not sure why they call them boosters, but uh a couple years back, uh the NCAA kind of turned around. They went, actually, you know what? That's probably not a smart idea. Uh, I think that we should maybe allow these athletes. To It wasn't just the NCAA, but we should allow these athletes to basically earn their own money right from sport. Um, And that's interestingly why college football and college basketball previously, in my opinion, was so much better to watch because so many of these guys and girls were vying and fighting so hard to get into the NFL, the NBA, the MLB. Um, ju- or the MLS just to get paid because through their sport and don't get me wrong I know that they're in a somewhat of a privileged position because they have a scholarship they don't have to pay for college but like still like they're still having to pay out for certain things like they're not just getting everything for free you know Um. so anyway they decided to change change it and what's really interesting is I think the reason why is because the NCAA would essentially take, uh, all of the all of this footage from the athletes, and they would then sell it on to organizations like like reels, basically. So like, let's say you're an American football player and you have highlights reel, you would then have to kind of sell that on to other people so that they could watch you and see how good you are they decided to get rid of that and so people would be able to actually put things on their twitter uh and and sell their own footage um and that sort of that f- stuff uh i don't even know what you call it like highlight footage is apparently roughly valued at 250 million dollars a year just really? hi- just highlight footage from athletes oh, in that... the NCAA yeah which is insane um, yeah I I just find it interesting because again that's almost essentially like a form of monetization is that these this organization had kept like a lock on all of these athletes earning money and they were earning mm. money off the backs of these athletes because they had to give the give them the highlight reels to then pass it on to the organizations outside of the NCAA and I'm like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. so fucked up <laughs> like that, that, and that was going on for so long. Um, yeah, I just I just wanted to bring that point up because I just yeah, I was sat there, I was really interested because I, I had no idea that you know, I didn't think that they'd be getting paid loads, but I thought they would at least be getting paid from something. Um, and the fact that they weren't actually mm. allowed to earn anything, they weren't allowed to monetize anything. Yeah. Um which is insane. And the second thing, which I know that we are wanting to kind of go into the idea of of esports and so on and so forth, I did a little bit of digging into esports after we decided to sort of talk about monetization. Now, esports, even in the last five years, has grown exponentially. There are so yeah. many more YouTubers, Twitch streamers, um, I don't even know whatever this quarter thing. I don't even know because I'm not Discord yeah. Um what's really interesting you with the lingo. Come on. What's really interesting is for most traditional sports, and I know that you actually pointed this out and I thought it was really, really interesting that you did. The largest amount of money that people will earn is fundamentally from network rights, right? People yeah. them selling uh the rights to watch stuff on tv and ticket sales yeah. But for esports the majority of esports is actually streamed for free really like, yeah like a lot of a lot uh-huh. of esports stuff is streamed for free and so they 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 must be losing out on so much of the pie because mm. it's free but i think that's actually it it is also a good thing you know and i'm going yeah. to argue two cases i'm going to argue for the fans number 1 it's good because they don't have to spend an absolute fortune to watch some of their favorite athletes and some of their favorite teams which is fantastic for them but on the flip side as we've both mentioned in different discussions that means that potentially the esports athletes are getting less because of the fact that the organization isn't charging to watch those sports. Mm. So what's interesting is there's like three streams of revenue. Um, you've got like the entertainment, and I, I want to go into that because actually a lot of uh esports organizations actually went public in 2021. Like they actually yeah. so people could buy shares in in their organization, like so people yeah. actually own shares in like i don't know any esports teams but they actually own yeah they own they own shares like fans can can buy shares of those teams which is kind of cool right (laughs) i don't know i think i think that's it i think that's quite cool um i mean i suppose it is cool and maybe people would argue it's not cool but I feel like it brings fans closer to the sport. It brings fans closer to their athletes. And yeah, they might not be able to call the shots, but if their team does really well, they could potentially earn money from that because their shares will increase. So it almost increases like fan engagement. And obviously Hmm. apparel is a big one, right? I mean, every sports team sells apparel, but I just found it really interesting that they don't necessarily earn revenue from directly from consumers watching um Mm. you know like the finals and and so on and so forth and so a lot of these esports athletes have had to reach out and get like their own brand partnerships or like their own sponsorships um as individual athletes and as organizations uh and that's Mm. kind of stemmed like a new wave of companies being popped up for like focus and like energy drinks and like mouse and keyboards and gaming chairs and stuff like that so kind of i don't really know where i'm kind of going with this but i just thought it was really interesting to kind of bring up the fact that like monetization in general does provide you know does provide us with potentially new streams of revenue as athletes and as coaches um yeah and also, it just opens up the idea that, like, actually, esports that people could argue, you know, maybe they don't earn as much as, say, professional athletes. Like, they're, they've they opened up kind of like a whole new realm as to, like, what monetization could essentially be. Like, the future of monetization yeah. um, outside of just charging more for tickets or charging more for apparel and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um yeah. So I, I thought it'd be cool to just kind of share my inner thoughts yeah, yeah. Of, of the my yeah. idea for that.
0: <laughs> but I think it goes to share as well, you know, like there are so many examples where and I think that's where it starts getting a little bit murkier but dangerous, at least in my opinion, is that when in order to make money the sports becomes the sport becomes more exclusive. Yeah. Or less inclusive, whether that's to the players or to the fans. You know, like you say with the Arsenal um, game and having to buy a membership to just to go watch games to, you know, the, the latest Olymp- Tokyo Olympics being selling all their broadcasting rights to Discovery Plus. um, That was, that was crazy. Like, I, I mean, it, you know, I would much rather be able to be able to access the olympics anywhere yeah and then there'd be a shitload of ads that hit me like yeah yeah, that's worth it whereas not and everyone can if they want to watch the olympics everyone can afford to sit through some ads whereas not everyone can afford to pay yeah the discovery plus membership just to watch the olympics which you know the olympics for me at least it is and one of their values is to be inclusive and to get everyone in this case the world um behind the same the same mission and the same the same goals you know and and so for me like that was a a bad move, and a question how much of the extra money made there um whether it's it's you know the olympics selling the broadcasting to discovery Mm -hmm. or it's you know competitions in different sports selling their live streaming to certain companies that require membership to watch you know how much of that extra money and that extra revenue is actually going to the staff the athletes the you know the support staff for the venue the support staff for the competitions support staff for the teams uh how much of that money is actually being seen yeah i mean i
1: don't yeah i mean probably a very a very small fraction um but without actually like vetting and having organizations i mean not necessarily investigated but without some kind of like fair regulation in place of like the people should earn this much these guys should earn this much, and I don't think that will ever be a thing. The only, the only uh, kind of sort of regulation that they have in certain leagues, say the Premier Premier League or Premiership, and the NFL, is they have salary caps, so they can't play. They can't effectively. They can't give their roster of players. A certain amount over what is deemed an acceptable level um and if they do then the organization gets fines the individuals get fines themselves uh and also so do they potentially might also be docked like okay you missed three games and so on and so forth mm-hmm. um but I agree. Like I don't think that makes that much difference to organisations that are turning over hundreds of millions a year, maybe even into the billions. It literally doesn't yeah. matter. And like, if they're so bothered about hitting this cap, why can't they give more money to other parts of the organisation? Yeah, like yeah. it. It doesn't. I just don't understand. I mean, obviously, I I understand how money works right but for me it just i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't make sense like i don't understand why they can't and i know they probably give a lot away already but yeah I, i'm not sure it just it doesn't really make sense to me um anyway i'm i was i just as i was talking about that i was interested in the cap tracker for 2023 mm. um and Currently, let me see how many NFL teams are in debt for exceeding their cap space. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14 teams. There's 13 teams in the NFL, and 14 of them are over that salary cap. One of them is over the salary cap by 57 million. That's actually ridiculous. Uh, That's actually ridiculous. Do you wanna know uh what Tom Brady's base salary was for go on then? So his base salary was one point one million this year. Nice. He signed for ten million, so he got eleven million on his first day this year of joining um, the bucks. Um, nice. yeah. So rough and his cap. Yeah. So his cap. Uh so he was earning thirty million. He earned thirty million last year. That's
0: I wonder crazy. how that compares with, like Ronaldo.
1: Good question, and I know that in football, it's different I think that'd as well. Just be a
0: completely different level. Yeah. Still.
1: I think uh it's also different as well because um they don't get paid they get paid weekly or like year, like monthly, right?
0: Yeah, players.
1: yeah. Whereas in the NFL, I, I think they literally just like his 30 million. Have a good season. No way. No, no I, I, I swear to god, I, I honestly not. someone please correct me, because I'm almost certain that they just get given that cash. They're just like here. Like this is yours.
0: Fuck. Oh, it's proper like and, and top the boy pro- money. When the problem a is. A good deal of
1: money, that yeah. The problem is as well is like, fair enough. They might get paid that, but then, what? Uh, what incentive is? What incentive is there for that athlete to actually play? Because if he gets injured, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't care. He's already been paid.
0: <laughs> um, but anyway, Is that Chris... true? Can you make sure that's true? All right, because I've seen a uh, I've seen the series Ballers with doing the Rock Johnson, and it didn't seem like the football players were getting paid in bulk. American football players
1: or or soccer players? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, okay, here it says here each NFL player under contract gets paid every week from the start of the season. Okay, cool. That's good. <laughs> I was like, even when I said that, I was like, there's no way that he would just get paid.
0: They earn <laughs> a weekly
1: salary during the season with conditions set on whether they play and how they perform. So this is actually interesting yeah. because I had a conversation with one of the guys um, at the GM Harper. He went to uh, high school with Ezekiel Elliott. Do you know uh, the running back? Oh, no. From, yeah, yeah, from, yeah. He plays for the Cowboys. So, yeah. I, I'm not sure where I heard this, but I, I think I heard it in like an interview or or something like that. And you know the celebration that he does when he scores a touchdown and he holds his mouth up and he's like, it's dinner time. Like I'm eating dinner. Um, Apparently that stems from like he grew up in a quite a rough place and probably didn't have a great yeah. upbringing. And so essentially like every time he would... Uh, score a touchdown or play a game. That was him, like insinuating, like I'm gonna eat tonight. Like my family are gonna yeah, eat yeah, good. Yeah. Um, which I think is interesting because it it it's, does spin another tale of the story of like you know some of these guys grew up under very harsh conditions in a westernized mm. society, and the fact that they've been able to get to where they are and actually earn that amount of money is incredible. Like it's incredible, but it doesn't happen everywhere. That's the problem. That's the biggest problem mm. that we're trying to argue. Is and even still, if these companies are paying 30, 30 million a year to a football player, how much must they be earning?
0: Yeah, yeah, anyway, silly money,
1: silly, silly money. Um, so on that,
0: I guess sir, money talks, mate. Right?
1: Money talks. My money don't jiggle, jiggle. It folds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, talks,
0: <laughs> uh, We're done talking. <laughs> we're, well,
1: yeah, uh, we're done talking, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, um, please like, comment, share, and follow. And uh, if you enjoyed it, you can always send us a DM to tell us how much you enjoyed Slide it. Slide
0: into our DMs. You know,
1: we like our ego to be stroked every once in a while. Um, yeah, if
0: you don't enjoy it, don't bother messaging. Yeah. Like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into to another episode of Into the Unknown. We will catch you next week. Thank you so much for joining us Into the Unknown. Uh, if you want to connect with us and get in touch, you can find out more about me at Stoke Strength Systems on Instagram and
0: Conor Lift Stuff for my business page. And you can find me at at on Instagram, Eventing on Facebook and sueyshawneventing.com.
1: And if you want to get a bit more engaged uh, with our community and you liked this episode, please like and subscribe Uh, follow on the on on spotify and we'd also love to hear your thoughts on this episode's topics so please drop them in the comments catch you next week